Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. is Hardwood Handicappers, VEASAN's premier NBA betting podcast. Here are your hosts, Jonathan Von Tobel and Kelly Bidlin. Welcome in, everybody. It is a Friday edition of Hardwood Handicappers. I'm Jonathan Von Tobel. Kelly Bidlin in his usual spot. we got a great show on tap for you today. Coming up in the second half of the pod, Tom Haberstroh, Metal Arc Media, Basketball Illuminati. He's going to be with us to discuss a lot of stuff, like the conference semifinal series that have been set and of course, we will not let it die. My quest to get the NBA to get more clarity when it comes to their injury reports will be a topic with Tom when he joins us coming up in the second half of the show. But Kelly, we did get a ticket punched into the next round. Any massive takeaways from what was, I'll say, a tough beat for Hawks betters yesterday if they yeah. were uh, taking seven and ended up losing by eight with a uh, massive collapse by Atlanta down the stretch? I, I feel like it is a it, it maybe this might just be in our little bubble, like our VEASAN bubble, where we, where we know a lot of people, including ourselves, that are big, big NFL draft viewers, betters. Right. So like that really captured kind of the 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 headlines of the main TV time yesterday. But I was like, I, I, mean, I, had, the Hawk, I had the Hawks and Celtics going going on a TV and I'm like, I kept getting so distracted by how dang good the game was, uh, you know, especially what in that second half where they were basically just going back blow for blow. Um, it was a really great game. I think, I think in the end, not, not that I really made any money off of this, but I think in the end, this is kind of exactly what we expected out of this series, right? Like we yeah. thought the me and you thought the Hawks would pu- push them a bit. I, I don't think either one of us was saying we really thought the Hawks were going to upset them. You know, we didn't make any bets like that. But, hey, look, they pushed him to six games. In the sixth game, you almost stole that and forced this to be a game seven back in Boston. Uh, impressive performance by a Hawks team just in this series that you and I have been saying all season long have been completely underwhelming, should have been the class of that Southeast division. We're not, we're not, uh, ended, did not end up winning that. Um, and here they go. They're out of it. Boston moves on and they move on to a matchup with Philadelphia with a major injury concern to the best player on their team. Yep. I agree with all, uh, all points. All right, we move on. No, uh, I do think there is something interesting to be said of Boston defensively and what they looked like over the last couple of games, but some of it did seem more like lackadaisical than like schematic issue. You know, for yeah. example, there was a moment d- down the stretch of the second half where was it uh, I think it was it Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum like makes a free throw 
And off of a made free throw, the Hawks get the ball inbounds and sprint past the Celtics defense. Like where Tatum kind of like looks over his shoulders like, oh, dude, Trey Young's like right here. He, like, <laughs> he just lays it up right past him. Like I, I felt like some of the issues are more of that, like lack of execution yeah. as opposed to, hey, the Hawks are exploiting a schematic flaw here and the Celtics are going to have problems as they move forward. Yeah, I think the one thing that everybody should keep in mind, and, and, and maybe this this is exactly what you're talking about. Maybe it's not at all. But you know, like we saw Tatum struggle with his turnovers in that NBA Finals last year, right? Like I think there's still we still have to remember, besides, you know, the the veterans they have at the guard position, this is still a fairly young team that could make I think young mistakes. So I think I think a lot of what you're talking about right now uh, about that this series is I chalk up a little bit more to that because I mean the example you gave is perfect, right? Like off a yeah. missed free throw, how you letting that happen? Uh, I think you're it, it's just those guys going through the motions. But if I was a Celtics backer or Celtics fan, man, it's sure at some point, it, you know, you know, considering what happened in last year's finals, you would like to see this team looking very sharp. Uh, it at least see, this is where we know how, like we know what their ceiling is and how good they could be. So it's almost like if I was backing them, it would be, let me see a few straight games where you guys don't make, silly stupid mistakes like that right actually play a sharp game I don't care if you shoot for 35 percent from the field right just don't make the stupid turnovers play a crisp game and I can feel more confident in in this team going forward yep and I will say because the series doesn't start until Monday so we can do the hardcore series preview on Monday mm -hmm. uh, I think Boston's gonna smoke them yeah I, I think uh, like one and a half games, you can lay it. I, I even think at a good enough plus price, if it gets like plus 160 or better, I think that's good enough for two and a half as well. Um, I'll get into the reasons why, but I, that's my initial feelings. I think the Celtics, you know, get them yeah. out of there quick. Real quick, I think you're, I think you're a little bit more bullish than me uh, on the Celtics, but like it, it's so dependent on Joel Embiid's health to me. Like it's so dependent. Like things we know, things we know is James Harden has struggled major and he can't, I mean, I mean, I think the one that's really eye popping is, you know, he can't get to the line anymore. He's not doing that. He's not being able to finish around the rim. I mean, if that continues, this, this really makes this team very, very not one dimensional, but reliant on Joel Embiid and then Tyrese Maxey. And then if Embiid's not on the floor, okay, you're telling me that, you know, if Maxey and Tobias Harris and guys like that have to carry you through a series against the Boston Celtics, mm -hmm. I don't think it's, I don't think that's happening. So with that, we have two games tonight. Did you have anything on either matchup? We get Kings Warriors as our first tip, 5 p.m. Pacific time, Warriors seven and a half point favorite and Lakers Grizzlies, Lakers five point favorite in that matchup in the evening. I don't, I don't know why. I, I know I brought this up yesterday or, or Wednesday. I think it was Wednesday. These times just keep throwing me off, man. Like, we have, yeah. a, we have, a, we have a, a 8 Eastern, 5 Pacific time start in San Francisco. Like, it's just so bizarre. Um, I have bets on both games, James. I, I laid the points with both favorites. Um, I, I think these are good spots for both of these teams. I think that this – I really like the Warriors tonight. I laid the yeah. 7. I really liked that. Seven, seven and a half. It's creeping up there a bit. I think, though, just just like I've said with it, all series long with this one, I think you'd have an opportunity to probably hop in live on Golden State side. I am not playing it as much that way this time around just because if this was a complete Golden State dismantling of the Sacramento Kings tonight, I wouldn't be shocked. So I did lay the points uh, at a good amount of money ahead of time with, with the Warriors, but always leave room to jump in live with that. Can I uh, um, add? Yeah, yeah. I went Warriors no, alt not line. 
Yeah, I went Warriors <laughs> nine and a half plus one fifteen. Like I, went, I like. Yeah, I went yeah. alternate. I went alternate line. Absolutely, I, I think that. I, yeah, absolutely. I think that could be totally in play tonight. The Lakers one, I'm not as confident about JVT, but I think that the the series handicap from the start by us still leaning on the Lakers high floor with that front court advantage yep. that they're going to have. I'm going to ride that for one more game. If some, if the Lakers lose this game, I mean, if they, if they lose this game, cause obviously they could win and not cover, but if they right. lose this game and we're going to game seven, I'm, I'm out of that. Like there's no bet I'll have in that game seven. Like I, I would probably lean Grizzlies in that game seven. I think the momentum, if they end up winning tonight, momentum's really turning in their favor. Uh, so I think LeBron AD, a lot of pressure to get this done here tonight in LA. Uh, I would agree. And the, the last note I'll have on this, and this kind of bothered me when I was digging through some of the stuff, because I've been keeping track of the shooting data for this, you know, this entire postseason. Yeah. Uh, I didn't realize this though, Kelly, this had uh, squeezed past me. Memphis is shooting just 31.5% on wide open three point attempts. And they have generated the most wide open three point attempts amongst any team in the NBA postseason. They have 111 wide open threes. They're shooting 31% on those. Now they're not a great shooting team. So the the regression there is going to be like it, it should happen now it doesn't happen on the road is one question it could happen tonight for all we know uh, we did see Sacramento shooting at least for one game regress to the mean in that game four it was against uh, Golden State on the road so could happen here today but I think that's one thing that I didn't really like I was like Ugh. if anything you're the Lakers I, I I feel pretty confident saying if you don't win this game you lose the series Yes, me too. Me yeah. too. I, 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 you know, the only thing I'll point out is Lakers not shooting great from three this series either. But Memphis, the team that has w- the ability to do way more damage from that yep. range, right? And and we've seen, I mean, just the past couple of day- games, right? We've seen that backcourt, you know, Bain Morant play a lot better. So yes, I think that's getting. You should be getting scared if you're if yes. you're on the yes. Lakers or a Lakers backer. There's no doubt about that. All right, with that, uh, we're going to keep our banter short because we have Tom Haverstow who's going to join us on the other side. So we'll take our break. When we return, Tom Haverstow, Metal Arc Media, Basketball Illuminati will be with us as we discuss the conference semifinals and some of the things that the league might have pressure on them, including the cloak and dagger nonsense when it comes to injury reports. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER.
All right, welcome back. Hardwood Handicappers here on this Friday. Special guest today, Tom Haberstroh. Metal Arc Media is nice enough to stop by, give us some time here today. Uh, we really appreciate it, Tom. And there's a lot that we wanted to go over with you. So I we kind of wanted to start with uh, something in your neck of the woods that you were just talking about with the guys over in the Levitard show. I would not paint us as an anti-Miami Heat podcast, um, but <laughs> we did. Why? You hate the Miami Heat. <laughs> no, actually, we're very pro Jimmy Butler. Love the guy. It's hard not to like him. But one of the things that kept sticking with us throughout that Miami Heat series with the Bucks was, can they keep doing it, right? It's the Jesse Pinkman can't keep getting away with it meme where it's like they're shooting a ridiculous percentage on contested threes. They're shooting nearly 50% from three-point shots overall after doing what they did in the regular season. So I kind of wanted to start there is like, what is the takeaway from the Miami Heat's win over the Milwaukee Bucks when I feel like you could point to some statistical returns and say, yeah, it's not really sustainable, is it? Yeah, they just had one of the best shooting series we've ever seen in the postseason. Um, and this is coming from a team that shot 27th, uh, 27th in the NBA in three-point field goal percentage. So your natural inclination is to say um, that bubble is going to burst and the other shoe is going to drop um, and the regret, the mean is going to regress or the, they're going to regress to the mean. Mm. All of those things make sense from a just – you know, uh, detached viewpoint on this team. However, it ignores the fact that this was the number one shooting team in the NBA last year, and they have largely the same roster. Um, and yes, they did have some good luck on some of those shots. Some of those, I mean, even the, the Jimmy Butler one handed, uh, put back there at the end of the game, it was like, I mean, everything seemed to be going in like he could have been blindfolded and hands behind his back and somehow Jimmy Butler would still hit the shot. That's how that end of that series went. It just seemed like everything seemed to be going uh, the heat's way. I said it on the air. Uh, It just bears repeating here as we talk about regression of the mean bam out of bio who they were daring to shoot the entire series shoot jumpers. He had more jumpers in the fourth quarter and overtime than the entire Milwaukee bucks team. And if you do a thousand simulations of that game and that many jumpers from Adebayo and that many jumpers from Chris Middleton and Giannis, well, not Giannis, but the rest of the team, you get the point. Maybe that happens once out of the thousand simulations, maybe. Um, but I keep coming back to the, the point that, you know, this team did it last year. They went all the way to the final minute of the final game seven of the Eastern conference finals. Uh, and so my, skepticism that they can do it again is somewhat measured. It feels like this might be repeatable, maybe not to the 48% or whatever they shot from downtown, but it does seem like to me that we should not doubt Eric Spolster and Jimmy Butler to the extent that we can say that was a fluke in that first series. I still think um, they are going to be very much a handful for the New York Knicks, even if they don't shoot that, that high percentage. Yeah, I think it's a great point of the the we've talked a lot about the struggles with the Heat this year, but it's still it's it's a lot of the same guys that have just had different struggles from year to year here. Uh, Tom, one of the other things I saw you doing with Dan and the guys was the the kind of your favorite fun stats from that wild last game with the Bucks. Well, one of my favorites was the was that Eric Spolstra called a timeout after every Bucks field goal up until the 318 mark left in the game. And that's because they had made two field goals up until the point. What was you ended up being your favorite one from that game? Uh, Amin really liked the dismount of Mike Budenholzer still has three unused timeouts uh, <laughs> after the game. Um, that one's a fun one. Uh, Cody Zeller having more dunks in the fourth quarter overtime than Giannis. 
than Brooke Lopez and the entire Milwaukee Bucks team. I mean, the contributions that they got, Kyle Lowry fouled out, uh, Bam Adebayo, like, like all these guys kept dropping like flies, and yet they still just grew another head, um, and you could not kill them. Um, so, <clears throat> like the... I guess the other thing I want to point out is what happened to the Denver Nuggets after they upset the Seattle um, Supersonics back in 94. They lost the next series. Is it is it the Memphis Grizzlies after they beat the San Antonio Spurs? They didn't go on and win the championship. All those, the We Believe Warriors did not go on and, and make it far in the postseason. So it's worth asking ourselves, these eight over one upsets, how sustainable is it? Um, we like to believe in the underdog. We love the idea of Rudy continuing to beat the Goliaths out there, David over Goliath. But um, when it comes to the Miami Heat, what they just did is certainly not a harbinger of what we will see going forward. However, with that being said, I think the New York Knicks team uh, is very beatable. Um, and I think if you if you chalk up their first round amazing series to just – out veteraning that's not a word that's not a phrase i'm probably i'm glad my daughter isn't in here because like, i think we all get a it word <laughs> yeah, um you got out veteran <laughs> you're not gonna out vet the miami heat you're right. not going to you're not gonna out vet jimmy butler and kyle lowry kyle lowry winning a title in 2019 kevin love etc so whatever magic they were able to do and um make the young Jared Allen, Evan Mobley, Darius Garland, the spell by which they just completely fell apart, that magic, that that dust is not going to work on the Miami Heat. Well, hopefully the Heat aren't Rudy because uh, Rudy was a fraud. He was offsides, and I'm with Joe Montana. I don't think anybody really liked them anyway. Um, so let's, let's talk about that matchup specifically. So Kelly and I are actually kind of approaching that from opposite sides. As somebody who was very much in the camp of like, I don't know if the Heat can sustain this, I also think they can win this series against the New York Knicks. And I think one of the big things is Julius Randle's injury. So when you're talking about this matchup here and how important Randle is in terms of his defense on a Jimmy Butler type, I think if he's not fully healthy, they don't really have a body to throw at Jimmy Butler. And that creates a whole bunch of different problems for him, doesn't it? It does. Uh, and it, it puts a lot of weight on RJ Barrett and Jalen Brunson and Emmanuel Quickly's shoulders to create a lot more of the offense. And I would argue that Julius Randle is overrated in the sense that like, if you're getting less Julius Randle, I don't think that's a death knell for the team. I would al also argue that like J Jalen Brunson should probably take probably 20% of Julius Randle's touches. Cause I think he's just that much of a, a an amazing, efficient player that can carry an offense. And he was uh, really good in that series. Um, but they're going to need somebody to pick up Jimmy Butler and check him. I don't think um, R.J. Barrett is up to the task. And Josh Hart, as good as he is, again, injured. Um, someone who's a little gimpy going into this series. And so it's not just Julius Randle that has some question marks. I do wonder if Josh Hart has, you know, the health to hang at, at the at the you know the levels that they need him to play against the wings of Miami. But of course, Miami doesn't have Tyler Hero. They just need to stop Jimmy Butler, and we just saw Drew Holiday, maybe the best wing defender on the planet, absolutely helpless against Julius Randle. So mm -hmm. is Jimmy Butler going to drop a 50-burger on, uh, on the Knicks? I think it's possible. I mean, when we look at the fact that he's averaging 37, game, seven, 37 points a game in the postseason, it's not out of the realm that we're going to see him hang 50 at Madison Square Garden, which is an, it's, it's an absurd statement to say. Um, that that might be a likely scenario that he's just going to go off. 
But I, I do think that Tom Thibodeau and the knowledge that he has of Jimmy Butler will work to Thibodeau's advantage. But, uh, man, this this Milwaukee Bucks team swept swept Jimmy Butler and the Miami Heat a couple years ago. Four games to zero, and yet just completely fell on their face in this, in this more recent uh, matchup. So I think the Knicks... Our favorite, right? I believe the market still have the Knicks being favored in this series. Yeah, is that about, about minus 150. Yep. Yeah, I don't, I don't know about that. Uh, to me, I, I think there's a lot of value here on the Miami Heat side. Okay, let's let's head to the other uh, Eastern Conference series. We got Celtics and Sixers. We know is locked in now. Uh, th- this number a little interesting too. You can get over two to one with on the 76ers if you wanted to go the Philly side. Uh, JVT and I have talked about this a bit already. We think it's pretty tough matchups for Philly heading. Uh, against Boston here. How do you see, how do you see this one playing out, Tom? Yeah, I think the injury question marks for Joel Embiid. Uh, that's what I'm looking at here. Is without him being at full health, uh, I I can't I can't bet on the Philadelphia 76ers. And maybe the extra days will give him enough recovery time to get to 90 percent or what what have you. But at this stage. Um, it's really hard for me to see that James Harden, who I, I'm seeing on TMZ, was partying in Vegas this week, which is never a great <laughs> sign uh, that that your, your your second star is out in Vegas during like the middle of the playoffs. Never a great. Um, yep. So I think when you combine Joel Embiid's injury with James Harden's um, inability to be the James Harden MVP, James Harden. I just I don't have a lot of faith in Philly right now, um, and the fact that Joel had to miss Game Four, um, and and we reported on Basketball Illuminati this past week, Embiid falls on the ground two times yes. as many times as anybody on the team, uh, anyone on the on the court. He just he hasn't learned over the years that like he's getting beat up, and we saw the hip injury for from Anthony Davis. These guys need to stay on their feet, please. If not just for like. <laughs> just betting purposes and trying to understand like how you know healthy are these guys but we also just need it from like we want to see Joel Embiid at his best and I, there are so many times in that series where he fell down and my I, I felt my throat uh you know my my heart being in my throat because I just I get nervous yeah. every time he falls I just can't I, I don't have much faith in the Philadelphia 76ers against the Boston Celtics right now I feel like AD every time he goes down, he's grabbing at something new too. It's like it's like there's some new injury that pops and if up he goes every time to the he hits the room, ground. If he goes to the locker room, I'm like, all right, well he'll be back in two minutes. Like right, exactly. Yeah. There's so many times where early in his career, I'd be like, oh my god, like he just tore his ACL, or oh my god, he just uh, broke his ankle, and then he'd come back out like ten minutes later. There is no other player in the NBA that I've less. Um, I believe his locker room visit less. Like I, every time he gets hurt and limps around Twitter goes, Oh my God, Anthony Davis is banged up. He's really limping out there. I'm like, he'll be, he'll be fine. He'll be fine. You <laughs> I know? thought he was going to lose his arm in game one. Against oh my Memphis. God. <laughs> yeah. Right. And it's <laughs> every time with this guy. So uh, yeah, it's, it's same thing with Embiid. Um, it's a shame that we have Embiid, Giannis being uh, hurting his back and missing games in that first series. Uh, we have John Morant's hand injury. We've got all sorts, you know, De'Aaron Fox with like a fake broken finger. I don't even know if that's real. Um, and it just seems like a lot of these matchups are being barred by injury. And this Boston Celtics series with Philly, um, I, I know that Boston should have closed out that series in four or maybe five. 
Um, and it's a little wor- worrisome that they they were letting it get to that point with no DeJounte Murray there. Um, but I still have a lot more faith in Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart in this series against Philly. Uh, and I suspect like, you know, in the regular season, Boston was up 3-1 against Philly, and I suspect it'll be a lot similar. Uh, I'd be surprised if it gets to six games. Real quick, Tom, on that with the, with Boston, do you think Atlanta did anything to their defense that shows some problems going forward, or was it just a good offensive series for Trey Young and the Hawks? So in that series, I think Boston, um, oddly enough, down the stretch, just seemed to lock up and play uncharacteristic basketball. And I don't know whether that's coaching or not. Um, Doc Rivers going against Joe Missoula. Uh, of course, Doc Rivers has a lot more veteran poise and a lot more veteran, uh, a lot more receipts to go back to and say, okay, this is how I'm going to handle this situation. Um, Joe Mazzulla is a rookie coach who oftentimes looked like a rookie coach in that series. And Doc Rivers is the king of blowing 3-1 leads. So on one side, you have the rookie head coach trying to win a championship. And on the other, you have the guy who collapses more often than any other coach in the playoffs. Uh, and so... I want to say that there were pieces of that series against Atlanta that might be sustainable in or might be uh, translatable into this series. Um, but ultimately, I think the biggest question mark is that health and Joel Embiid not being totally healthy is a huge red flag. Now, let's go to the Western Conference in the semifinal series that is set Phoenix and Denver. So I've been of the mindset that the Phoenix Suns are a little overvalued by the betting market. I took my shot with the Clippers. Uh, did not really go well because Kawhi got hurt. They're forty favorites in this series against the Denver Nuggets. Is the market getting this right and making Phoenix a favorite in a series in which they do not have home court? Yeah, I think this is uh, I think this is a real opportunity to to land on Denver here because of the fact that they're uh, I think a better team top to bottom than Phoenix, and they have home court advantage. And it's not just any home court advantage; it's Denver home court advantage, altitude home court advantage. And I don't think we give that enough credit in the postseason. Um, yes, there are, you know, days in between travel, but man, um, I think there's a lot of value here for, for Denver and they're healthy. Um, I think one of the big upsides for them for getting rid of that Minnesota Timberwolves in five is just making sure that there's not another game for Jamal Murray to get hurt or to turn his ankle or to hurt something for Michael Porter Jr. And I think this is a team that is firing on all cylinders right now. And I can't say the same for Phoenix. Um, I'm, it's funny. We, we are skeptical of the Denver Nuggets to getting, um, getting the upper hand in this series. However, like Phoenix has so many injury concerns on that team. We had Devin Booker miss months due to the groin injury. Chris Paul, always a question mark in the postseason, And then Kevin Durant seems to miss, you know, every fifth game or get hurt every fifth game when he's out there. So, uh, I think if I was betting on this series, I would lean heavily on the Denver Nuggets because I think Jokic is highly underrated in the postseason. Um, and I think the way that Memphis, I mean, um, Phoenix attacks offensively, it lets Jokic off the hook. They don't attack the basket. They rely on mid-range jumpers. And this is a series in which Nikola Jokic can just sit back and be like, yeah, I might not be the most the, the best rim protector and I can't jump over a, a page in the phone book, much less the phone book. But it doesn't matter against this this Phoenix Suns team. They love shooting jump shots, and I think that plays in the hands of the Denver Nuggets, and I think they're going to fare a lot better in this series than people think. 
when it goes to big picture on the Suns, Todd, I think that's the one of the biggest concerns I have for them is just it is really the depth issues they have combined with a lot of the injury, uh, you know, injury possible issues that you bring up that these guys are constantly hurt. It feels like, and, and who's going to f- step up and fill in for them. Do you think that's what their eventual downfall is, whether it's to this Denver team, as we just talked about, I think we're all kind of on the Denver side here in this round, uh, whether it's this Denver team or going forward, do you, do you expect them to be able to overcome that? Or do you think that's kind of their, how they eventually uh, lose things here? Yeah, the depth is a real concern and fatigue is a real concern. We already talked about the altitude for Denver and that their home court advantage is actually worth, I think, at least a half point or a, or a point more than your average home court. And then you point the fact that Devin Booker and, and Kevin Durant have averaged 43 minutes per game in the first yeah. round already. They're already potentially gassed. So going into this series, when they're going to need every ounce of their um, their faculties going into this with uh, a two-time MVP and a team that won the Western Conference, it's it's a tall task for them. Um, their depth, they, they have about six guys that Monty Williams trusts, like really trusts in this series. And given how fatigued they're going to be and given the altitude, I just think that uh, they have a real chance of you know getting down 0-2 in this series and just never really getting their legs back. Because of the home court advantage, I think it's likely that they're going to go down 0-2. And if you add, you know, the the high mileage that you're going to the toll that it's going to take on Devin Booker and Kevin Durant's shoulders, it's going to be really um asking a lot. If they can't steal one of those two games in Denver, um I think they're toast. Uh, and I think Phoenix, the names on the jerseys on the back the name on the back of the jerseys are getting a lot more credit than I think yeah. they deserve given that they haven't had time for that chemistry to really gel. Uh I think this is I think this is Denver series. Tom Haverstroh is with us, Basketball Illuminati, the podcast. So I wanted to bring up something Illuminati-esque with you. And I think there's like there's a lot of mystery in the world. And you can go with the Illuminati at number one and NBA injury reports at number two. And this is something that has bothered me on this podcast quite a bit. Do you think at any point the NBA steps in and gets a little bit more clarity out of these teams when it comes to reporting some of these injuries? Because Kawhi Leonard's most recent example the fact that they come out after the series and say, oh, torn meniscus, sorry, guys. Uh, he was actually never going to come back. We've seen this a lot, right? I, there, there's LeBron in the hand in the finals. There's Damian Lillard in the Western Conference finals with the separated rib not reported. Do you think this is on the radar of the NBA? Because I feel like now that they're intertwined with sports betting, they owe it to betters and these operators to be a little bit more transparent. 100%. I'm glad you brought this up because we do that a lot on Basketball Illuminati is just what, what, is, what are the secrets of the NBA? What are the things that happen behind the scenes that the public doesn't know about? And this is one of the biggest areas uh, is hidden injuries. And it's not just that we are watching LeBron James play in the NBA Finals without knowing that he basically broke his hand um, and he's keeping it a secret. He's keeping it a secret from the betting markets too. Um, and so for for the Kawhi Leonard situation, um, it's I don't know how much the NBA can do because yes, they can put pressure on the on the the Clippers. But if I'm the Clippers, I'm like, he, he basically didn't tell us this. Like, mm. I'm not so sure the Clippers, the physicians on the Clippers side, the tra- athletic trainers on the cl- Clippers side, the medical staff, I'm not so sure they were in the know about how severe the injuries were until it was too late. Um, so it's a real gray area here is how do you police this? How do you get um, medicals from teams and have them be honest in a way that uh, in their view, hurts their competitive advantage going into a series or going into a game. Um, And if I'm the NBA, I'm like, oh, 
you like all the this money from from the gambling markets and and the sports books and partnerships well then guess what we're going to we need transparency here you can't mm-hmm. just have your cake and eat it too it reminds me of the story of Scott Skiles um, raising his hand in a meeting for uh, with David Stern this was way back in the day I think he was the coach of the uh, Bulls at this time. And David Stern is talking about how they're, they really want to uh, have cameras in the locker room um, and have uh, the ability for fans to, to see on TV you know, what the coach is saying in the locker room and what the player's vibe is in the locker room. And Scott Skiles raises his hand and he objects to this idea. He's like, hey, this is a sacred place, the locker room. You can't have cameras in there. And David Stern just goes, hmm – I've got $14 billion over here in TV deal money in one hand. And then I have over here, Scott Skiles. Who am I going to believe has more power in this? And who is, who am I going to listen to here? The billions of dollars over here or you Scott Skiles. And he just sat down and was like, true, true, true. And that's, that's the take that I think Adam Silver has to have here in the transparency of injuries is, Hey guys, you like these contracts coaches. You like making $8 million a year and GMs making a million dollars a year and players making 40, $50 million a year. Well, great. This is part of the deal. I scratch your back. You scratch your mind and we're good and we're good, but you can't have this be a one way street. So I do think that the NBA do does need to put pressure, whether it's on the players, whether it's on the medical staffs or whether it's the president or the GM or the owner, they have to apply pressure because at some point, fans are just going to say, I'm not betting on the Clippers because I don't yeah. know how to view Kawhi Leonard. It's too uncertain of a market, and I can't just throw my money away like that. And so I do think that you're absolutely right. Uh, this is a big issue for the league, and I think not just for for betting markets, but I think as a fan, when you see a guy playing and averaging 35 points a night and then don't see him in game three, what w- what happened? Oh, he tore his meniscus. Well, when? This... This is not good for the sport is that a player can drop 35 and then disappear and have no, the the fans have no idea. So two follow-ups really quick. The first of which is I think that the new CBA should probably add some pressure, right? Because now these guys can be sponsored, right? Or they can invest in, in a certain, like in a different way in some of these sports betting companies. Like I made the joke, like, could you imagine if Kawhi Leonard was sponsored by DraftKings? And then all of a sudden, an hour before game three, after an ad pops up with Kawhi Leonard and he's like, you know, go bet at, DraftKings, oh, by the way, we've been hiring a torn meniscus and he's not going to be available. Like that should ramp up, I would think, some pressure on the NBA, given that now you're going to be literally in bed some of these players with some of these books. Like the optics on that would be terrible. Yeah, John, absolutely. And I think they're um they're gonna have to figure out a solution here because not only that, the whole doubtful thing with Giannis and yep. um and uh De'Aaron Fox, like mm-hmm. it's not it's not doubtful if like an hour later, suddenly he's ready to go. And it's just those things. Or Tom, not to cut you off throughout the regular season, Shea Gilders, Alexander, they did this with him. He would be ruled out. Like he would be yep. out on the injury report the night before. And then six hours before the game, they'd upgrade him to doubtful out of nowhere. And then he would play like they would, they, they would happen all the time in the regular season. Yeah. I mean, not to get all like, uh, you know, philosophical on you, but like, what does doubtful mean at that point? You know, like <laughs> right. what is that? Like what is doubt? You know, I'm 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 trying to figure out what is questionable mean now. Like those definitions, if look, they could argue, and and the Thunder would argue, like, hey, we thought he was out. 
and he he healed and and his x-rays looked better or his mri or his and and it changed his status changed we're being as honest and transparent as we can um but this is this is really weird when you get leaks to the media about uh doubtful or the team puts marks someone as doubtful but everyone in the team knows that he's going to play right no. or everyone knows in the media circles that are covering the team are getting word that he he is going to play with the intent and warm up with the intent to play that doesn't sound like doubtful um and i do think that a lot of this before the gambling money was coming into the league and to its teams a lot of this you could just say what's the harm in it i mean we're trying to maintain a competitive advantage against uh, the opposing team. And if hiding the true um, nature of his injury and the severity of his injury, if that can help us in some sort of way, we're going to do that. Sorry, Adam. But now it, with all the money flowing in, um, it's it's a lot harder to do that. There's a huge conflict of interest in there in hiding this information from the public. Uh, they're They're trying their best, it seems. Um, but they're going to have to figure out another way to combat this issue because it's, it's right now, not a blockbuster story, but I can tell you that like, if, if this happens in the NBA finals again, after what happened with LeBron James, that was a different time. And in 2023, if that LeBron James story happens again, where a player was highly, uh, compromised due to injury and the team didn't disclose that, um, it's going to be a problem. Yeah, my, my solution was take a page out of the NFL's book after shoot around. Tell us if he was limited or full in terms of a shoot around. You know, list him as questionable, whatever it is. But like oh, the NFL, well, no, I've already I've already come up with a, a counter yeah? to that. They're okay. not going to hold shoot around. They're just yeah, going to be like, oh yeah, we're we didn't have really much shoot around <laughs> at all. You know, like like the yeah. NBA hardly shoots that. around and has a practice in the mornings, and so they can they can avoid that and just be like, oh yeah, uh, did did he participate? No. He we didn't really we didn't really do any five on five work in in today's shoot around so yeah we, it, it's you know that's just that's just another workaround that I think teams will figure out is you know um, I don't know the right solution but I'm, I hear what you're saying it's just I know the NBA and I know how teams work and they'll just figure out a way to work around it. Well, as Kelly knows, this is my quest. I will be when I die. <laughs> I will be known for getting the NBA to have more clarity on their injury reports. Well, like That'll what is what is Kawhi point. Leonard? What is Kawhi Leonard in the betting markets? Like, how much is he worth? Like on like let's just say on the spread. Like if if people knew that he had torn his menis meniscus or was, was playing through a torn meniscus, um, how much would that change uh, the markets? You think? Oh, it would change it by at least three or four points. If if he's playing, knowing that the meniscus is torn, it would be about three or four points. And you could argue it's up to eight if he obviously does not play. And we saw some of those shifts, yeah. right? And and Tom, I made the argument, like when we were talking about this the other day, if one person in the world after game three was like, you know, Kawhi could come back. I'm going to bet the Clippers to win this series because I believe that he could be available. Like that person got screwed. Even if it's a $20 bet. They got screwed because the NBA knew that that information was he's not going to be available going forward. Yep. And that's a better who likes their team, who wants to bet on their team that gets screwed because the information was being withheld by the league. Yeah. And um, it's it's that that's where your mind goes with this is like if it's insider information and people on the inside know that Kawhi is not going to play or he is going to play, um, then they can take advantage of that information. And it could just yeah. and it's not even like a, a team personnel. It could be like the the brother of a trainer the personal trainer for Kawhi Leonard um whoever it is that's in the inner circle who has that in inside information can go and make money off and profit off of that in ways that seems untoward and the other the other thing um we've been covering on basketball illuminati which i wanted to ask you guys is 
uh, Tony Brothers and Spencer Dinwiddie. Tony Brothers and Spencer Dinwiddie had this 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 blow up in back in November, and Tony Brothers did not work a Spencer Dinwiddie team ever since then um, for the entire regular season. And then we do a podcast episode about the fact that Tony Brothers, who's a full time crew chief, uh, has um, apparently been been moved away from Spencer Dinwiddie games and in a way that Spencer Dinwiddie saw every other crew chief in the NBA and saw every other referee who had refereed at least 40 games this season, um, except for Tony brothers. And then we, we dropped that on a, on a Wednesday, that story. And then Thursday, Tony brothers is on the Spencer Dinwiddie <laughs> game. Okay. Now that doesn't mean that we bullied the NBA into doing this. That is not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is it is true that the NBA does give the assignments for the one through five, one through four in the series. They tell the referees who is working games one through four in a series. However, the public doesn't know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The public doesn't get that information until the day of the game, the morning of the game. And I'm wondering from a betting perspective, what your thoughts are on that. Um, the fact that the teams know one through four, but that the public doesn't and how that might impact betting and whether the NBA should disclose one through four from the outset of the series. Yeah. Per, I, personally, I'll just answer quick, John. I think that's for, for me, I think a lot of what we're talking about here with the injury, with the injury information, it should be, if they know it, then we should be able, they should be able to tell everybody that I, I think for, for me at JVT, I don't know that we lean as much on refs refing a specific game or player and, and uh, you know, mattering as much to the point spread or anything like that compared to injuries as we're talking. But still, I know we know a lot of handicappers that, that they, they take that into account far more often. And so over if unders, infer- too, if you're betting on sides, like, right. like totally. I think that is a much bigger deal with referees than it is necessarily uh, the point spread. Right. Yeah. So the uh, I I I think it's for me it's the same thing as the injuries. If we know it, why aren't we tell? Why aren't we just making it public information? Right. That that's how I would take it. Yeah, Tom, you hit it for on the head for me. I, I think it's more impactful maybe for totals as opposed to sides. You know, if if it's an yeah. officiating crew that is known for calling a little bit more ticky tack fouls, so their foul count is up. Obviously, that leads to a higher probability of getting into the bonus earlier, and then of course more free throws, which means more scoring. So, you know, if you know ahead of time, is it going to move a total by like six points? No, but could it shade it like a half or maybe a you know full point, knowing who that crew is going to be? I think that could have an impact. Yeah, and and it's all just about the transparency, right? And the betting yep. market. It's right. it's it uh, it speaks to hey, there's information out there that getting in in different hands can be hugely prof- profitable. Um, and so why isn't that being public information if there are people on the inside who know it and it can have an impact on the on the totals or on the sides, what have you? Um, and so I think I think the NBA has done a better job over the past several years in trying to. Um, shine a light on the darky areas of the game, but I still think that there are places that um, it still can be more transparent. Yep, and they don't, and you know, and this is a whole other can of worms. But obviously, we know about what happened with the league in the past, and so shining those lights is important. But then you still get Twitter going crazy when Scott Foster is on a game for you know the Lakers in an elimination <laughs> spot or something like that. You know, like it's it's kind of a monster of their own creating. Uh, all right, Tom Haverstrow again, Basketball Illuminati, Metal Arc Media. Uh, I know that we uh, kept you for a little bit longer, but we appreciate the time, man. That was awesome, and uh, hopefully we can get you on again as we get closer to the finals. Yeah, just reach out and um, happy to do it. And uh, yeah, Basketball Illuminati. Uh, if you if you like the the kind of shadowy parts of the league and the secrets that I have uncovered in data and talking to people around the league and a meme being as a, a Phoenix Suns executive for several years. 
uh, and being a clown outside of that. Uh, <laughs> and Anthony Mays, our producer, does an excellent job on the, sh- on the show. So if you really enjoy kind of the ins and outs of the league that most people don't know, um, or we're, we're talking about taboos in the league, uh, definitely check out Basketball Illuminati. We, uh, we, we have a lot of fun with the show, and I think you'll have fun too. Yeah, it's a great pod. Listen to it many times. Very much worth your time. As is this one. Like, rate, review, subscribe, and we'll talk to you on Monday here on Hardwood Handicappers. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.